Section 28 of The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories by Nicholas Carter. The Mystery of St. Agnes's Hospital. Chapter 8 before the superintendent. As Nick expected, he met Chick outside Superintendent Burns's house. Go to Jarvis, said Nick. He is going to tell the whole story. Personate me in this disguise. Chick nodded and vanished. Within the house, Nick found Deaver in the superintendent's presence. Deaver's face was red, and he looked like a man who had been kicking a stone wall until he was tired. Mr. Deaver has lodged a complaint against you, Mr. Colton, said the superintendent, with a twinkle in his eye. What's the matter? asked Nick. He says that you ought to have had this man Jarvis electrocuted by this time. I have proceeded with great caution, said Nick. Yes, you have, said Deaver. You have been very careful to shield Jarvis at every step. He's a rich man, Jarvis is. Deaver, said the superintendent, sternly, I have delayed answering your complaint until this time, because I wish to have Mr. Colton present to hear what I said. And, now, what I have to say is this. Don't you venture to hint at the shadow of a suspicion of his integrity. I am entirely satisfied with Mr. Colton's conduct. I sustain him, absolutely. I have put this case in his hands and there it stays. Deaver quailed at these words, but his natural obstinacy came to his aid. I can get a warrant for Jarvis's arrest, he said. Go ahead and do it, and make a fool of yourself, replied the superintendent. With your permission, said Nick, I advise Mr. Deaver to remain here. Meanwhile, we will send a messenger for the witness, John Flint whose testimony seems to me to be of the greatest importance. Proceed just as you wish, said Burns. The messenger was summoned and dispatched. While they waited for him, Nick reviewed, in the presence of the superintendent and Deaver, the evidence against Jarvis. Some of it, as the reader knows, was news to Deaver. He seemed surprised to find the case supported, and strengthened by the man whom he suspected of trying to weaken it. I call that plain enough, said he, when Dick had finished. I will withdraw my charge against Mr. Colton, if some action is now taken. No action will be taken except on his advice, said the superintendent. Deaver became excited again. He ran over the evidence, and insisted on an immediate arrest. Nick said nothing and the superintendent maintained the calm of an iron statue. When Deaver had exhausted himself, Nick spoke. I promise you an arrest in one hour, he said. At this moment a card was brought in and handed to the superintendent. From Chick, he said, aside to Nick. He and Jarvis are waiting. What do you say? Let them come in, said Nick. They were admitted. Chick as the reader is prepared to learn, appeared as the exact counterpart of Nick. Deaver was struck dumb with astonishment at the sight, 
and the doctor's eyes nearly fell out of his head. Burns smiled and muttered, Clever. Which of these two men do you complain of, Mr. Deaver? he asked, enjoying the man's mystification. But Deaver did not reply, except to mutter something about the interference of the devil in earthly affairs. Dr. Jarvis, with some effort, recovered some portion of his composure. "'Well, sir,' said the superintendent, addressing him, "'I suppose that you have something to say to me?' "'I have, sir,' replied Jarvis, "'and no man could be charged with a more painful disclosure. "'Speak up. "'I am guilty of the murder of Patrick Deaver.' "'This confession produced no perceptible effect upon Nick, "'though the reader cannot have failed to perceive.' that the great detective had been working with a conviction of the doctor's innocence. Of all the persons in the room, Deaver exhibited the strongest emotion. He gasped, sprang to his feet, and then sat down again heavily. "'What do you say to that?' he exclaimed, turning to Nick. "'I am waiting to hear Dr. Jarvis's story,' Nick replied. "'Yes,' said the superintendent. "'Let us hear all about it. Dr. Jarvis tried to speak, but the words would not come. He staggered and fell half-fainting into a chair. "'I cannot tell it,' he said, when he had somewhat revived. "'Wait till I am stronger.' "'Perhaps that will not be necessary,' said Nick. "'No, no. Why should it?' said the prisoner in a faint voice. "'I confess, and that is the end of it.' "'However,' "'We would like to know more fully about this affair,' said Burns, and he looked inquiringly at Nick. "'Let me tell the story,' said Nick to Jarvis. "'If I am right, you have only to nod. That will do for the present occasion. We are not talking testimony.' "'But how do you know?' Deaver began. The superintendent cut him short. "'Proceed, if you please,' said he to Nick, and then he fixed his eyes upon Dr. Jarvis.' In the garden of the hospital, Nick began, about half-past six o'clock on the evening of Monday last, you had high words with Patrick Beaver, who was working under your direction. Dr. Jarvis nodded as Nick paused. He was somewhat intoxicated, and his language was very abusive. You replied in violent reproval, and he started forward as if about to attack you. Again, the doctor made a sign of assent. You seized a spade. It was in my hand, the doctor interrupted, feebly. That is right. Correct me whenever I am in error. You raised a spade and struck Beaver upon the head. He fell to the ground, and you, bending over him, were horrified to find that he was dead, or, rather, that he seemed to be. Exactly how he came to life I do not know, but it must have been while you were in the midst of your terror and beginning to wonder what you would do with the body. "'How do you know all this?' asked the doctor, faintly. "'It is simply the only explanation of all the facts. The witness client heard the quarrel and the blow. That blow did not fall upon you, and there was nobody else present but Patrick Beaver. Now, then, he suddenly came to himself. He sprang up. You were amazed. You advanced toward him.' Believing that you intended to renew the attack, he ran away. He scaled the garden wall, 
and fled through the little grove toward the river. "'You are reading my mind,' exclaimed the doctor, whose amazement acted as a restorative. "'No, I am not. How else could he have got out? On one side was Klein, on the other St. Nicholas Avenue, with many people who would have seen him. He escaped toward the river.' "'Then you didn't kill him, after all?' asked the superintendent. "'Of the remainder of that fatal affair,' said Dr. Jarvis, "'I have only one explanation to give, and that will seem miraculous. "'His body was found buried in the garden. "'I was seen to bury it. "'I was seen carrying it there by night. "'But upon my soul I did not know that I did it. "'The evidence has convinced me, that is all.' And this is the explanation. Patrick Beaver, after escaping from the grove, must have fallen and died. I must have gone there in my sleep, have found the body, and brought it back to the garden. My habit of sleepwalking is well known. I have done things which, from a scientific point of view, were far more marvelous than this. Nonsense, cried Beaver. You are wide enough awake. "'Superintendent Burns will not swallow that story.' "'Is it any more wonderful,' said Nick, "'than what I saw the doctor do in his laboratory?' "'The story of that night he had already told to Deaver and the superintendent. "'Very little, if any,' said Burns. "'I passed that night, or supposed that I passed it, at my home,' said the doctor. "'I took an opiate, and seemed to sleep.' but I had dreams of murder and the hiding of dead bodies. I must have walked. It was fate. But the wounds upon the body? How about them? asked Burns. They must have been made while he was pounding the body down into the earth, said Deaver quickly. Then he turned to Nick. You promised me an arrest within the hour, he said. Now let me have the satisfaction of seeing it formally made. Wait, said Nick. I have yet several minutes, and here is the witness, John Flint. The man was brought in as Nick spoke. He seemed to be somewhat alarmed. What's wanted, he said. Only a little formality, said Nick. As you do not wish to appear in court, we desire to take your sworn testimony at this time. The sweat stood out on Flint's forehead, but when the proper arrangements had been made, he took the oath and told a story. And now, Dr. Jarvis, said Nick, it is my very agreeable duty to recommend that you be discharged from custody. What? cried Jarvis and Deaver in the same breath. Superintendent Burns, I appeal to you, Deaver exclaimed. The face of the superintendent was perfectly calm. The case is in Mr. Colton's hands, he said, simply. What did you mean, you villain? cried Deaver turning to Nick. By talking about an arrest? I will keep my promise, said Nick. I will keep it doubly. There is yet one minute of the hour. I arrest you, John Flint, for perjury, and you, Lawrence Deaver, for the subornation of perjury. End of section 28. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.